Lunchtime. I'm your host, Joe Hamilton, alongside Theo the Juggernaut. Theo, how you doing today, man? Well, it's starting to look like Thanksgiving. Actually, no, it's not, but happy Thanksgiving. Well, well, not, not in Canada, but yeah, um, that was like a month ago, which I never understood. First of all, I mean, not getting into this too much, but I want to understand how Thanksgiving in Canada is a month before Thanksgiving in the U.S. It's our growing that, that, season. Growing season? Thanksgiving was meant to give thanks for the bushels and the growing season that we've recently passed. And it's a time to reflect and be thankful for the gifts that we've been given from the ground, from our friends, from our community. And we give thanks. And we can't do that in November because usually by now we have snow on most of the ground. However, we have grass and we haven't had snow. We've had snow, but it's melted. And now we're getting into... The reason why we have American Thanksgiving, because your seasons are changed. Yeah, we're definitely starting to feel it here in the uh, central part of the country. That's for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it was 49 degrees today, which isn't terrible for a uh, um, late November St. Louis day. That's for sure. I mean, you think by now you'd have at least a, fr- uh, a few days straight of freezing weather. We haven't really had that. So uh, I thank the Lord above for that. But know that it's probably going to come sooner or later. So I I better enjoy this now. Um, So let's kind of start thinking warmer thoughts here. Um, There are countless new managers all over baseball. Luis Mendoza with the Mets, uh, Ron Washington with with the Angels, and uh, Mike Schilt with the Padres, just to name a few. Um, Do any of those hires that I just – um, voiced. Are those shocking to you? I mean, I don't think the least shocking in my mind would be uh, Mike Schilt in in San Diego because he did work there for a few years before he was an A manager. But nonetheless, have any of those shocked you? I mean, didn't New York come out and say they weren't going to have a manager, or they weren't going to? When they sent, didn't they come out a couple weeks ago say they weren't going to hire anybody? A GM. A GM, yeah, okay, GM, not bench manager. Okay, so my apologies. Um, no, no, I mean, the Schilt one is, I mean, it's the next step. I, at the same time, though, you've got such an amazing roster on paper in San Diego. Do you think someone within the organization is the right fit for the millions of dollars that are being spent to bat? Well, and, I mean, you got to manage a lot of egos. Right, but and that's the thing. Is he... You know, is Schilt a guy that has an ego himself to manage those egos? And I don't know if he's been proven or not to do so. So am I surprised? I mean, there are a lot of managers out there that have handled large large egos. Um, you know, old school guys like Buck and uh, La Russa, But those guys are a little too old for the pavement right now. And Dusty's not moving anywhere soon. And, you know, you could have hired Joe Madden in there if you wanted out of, you know, Anaheim. Mike Sostra could have been named that could have popped in there because he's dealt with a lot of egos in the past. But we'll see what happens with Schilt, and I hope that he does well with those guys. And I hope he has a uh, I hope he has a pitching staff coming back this year too because um, they're doing fine on the bats, but the pitching is the issue right now. Schilt didn't have a bad season in St. Louis and won Manager of the Year in 2019. So. Uh, the thing is, I I really I pull for guys like Mike Schilt. I really do. Another coaching hire that uh, was landed the other day in St. Louis 
They're bringing back Daniel Descalzo as their bench coach. This, to me, kind of shocks me. Like, like I, it, there wasn't really much in the way of, like, chatter that this was going to happen. You know, like, when Albert came back, there was a little bit of chatter that that was going to happen. Granted, that was a player. This is a coach. But usually you have kind of buzz around this, and there was not much buzz around this. Um, do you like the hire by St. Louis? I'm not too familiar with him, but at the same time, uh, you need somebody that can motivate these players because their run support wasn't there last year. And furthermore, like we talked about this during the season last year, we need to have good pitching with good bats. And when we have bad pitching, we need even better bats. The run support wasn't there for the St. Louis Cardinals last year at all. And you'll agree with this, Joe, and you'll talk more about this next week with your special guest. The importance of St. Louis right now is to reestablish an identity and to build a bit of positivity in that locker room. And if you're not doing that with the current roster, okay, we got to fix that. But the furthermore, you need better leaders. You need guys that are going to be motivating and they're going to be outspoken and going to give these players the right reason to show up to play every day. I mean, I was watching a funny clip, and I'll send it to you later, Joe, because it's pretty expletive deletive, uh, almost as bad as that song I sent you about your chin. The uh, <laughs> rant of this manager just dropping bombs and scuds on this team for not showing up for ball practice, not showing up for grounding rules, not showing up for batting practice, expecting – you know, talent alone to win. Well, talent alone doesn't win. You need to put in the effort. If you don't put in the effort, you're not going to win. Yeah. I think Sanders has to go back to that routine and saying, hey, you know what? We need we need to put the effort in. You know, when you said you don't you can't win on talent alone, uh well, that kind of reminded me of Herb Brooks in the America yeah. on Ice saying yeah, you don't have a, you don't you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. No, nope. you know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and uh, Wilson Contreras, and the rest of it were all. I mean, they were all awful. I mean, yeah, Goldschmidt had a good year, but it wasn't like it was a very, very productive year in terms of getting scoring runners. And he he's usually a good good uh, hitter with runners in scoring position. Can't blame him, but he was part of it too. Nolan Arenado. You pay these guys. Granted, the Cardinals aren't really paying him. The or the uh, Rockies are paying us to uh, have him play for us. But thirty-five million for a guy who's not doing much at all at the plate and uh, with runners on, runners in scoring position, not being clutch at all. That's that's a lot of money, man. It really is. And you got to wonder what was their philosophy out there. What was it? Was it swing for the fences? Or was it, I mean, clearly it wasn't, oh, moving runners over, getting runners in. It was all about launch angle. And that's analytics have ruined this game. Analytics have ruined baseball. Theo, you cannot tell me otherwise. I'm not going to. Your most valid argument ever, and you will not convince me of this. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, there was more bunts. There was more strategic baseball. 
Today, it's all about how far and how hard you can hit the damn ball. That's not baseball to me. And these guys nowadays, it's every team. These guys nowadays, all they care about is their launch angle. Period. Well, you better pull the stats up for launch angle for these boys because I'll just simply flat out say, you look at their batting average compared to the rest of their division, the rest of the NL, and it was not very good. No, it was not. Call it launch angle, call it putting balls in play, call it, you know, you know, not having ground balls with eyes, not having, you know, a good strike zone, good vision on your strike zone. A lot of it was just, it was inconsistent batting. And at times, no batting. I mean, you and I remember games where they had, you know, runs of 10 or 12 games where they had two runs or less. And it happened on multiple times. And you don't remember the times that they could account for 10 games where they have more than six runs. You know, that didn't happen either. So, I mean, you're looking at a team that just did not have an offensive identity. Struggling with, you know, I'll say just below average pitching. You know, you're putting way too much, way too much uh, responsibility on your players playing great field ball. But even that wasn't happening because you had game. Like you were, what, how many games below 500? Like, you weren't even in the mix. So that's got to change. 20 games under 500 at the end of the year. And um, the Cardinals just signed two pitchers, one being Lance Lynn, one being uh, Kyle Gibson, both of those to one-year deals with um, uh, player options for 25. Or club options for 25, excuse me. Um, a lot of Cardinal fans, and, and I'm going to talk to my guest about this next week, and I will talk to you guys about that as this show closes tonight. Um, the thing is with Lance Lynn, he gave up 40-plus bombs last year. I Launch mean, uh, how, how can how can you be excited about a guy who had a four-plus ERA and gave up that many home runs? I mean, you can't. I mean, look what he did against the freaking um, Arizona Diamondbacks. Remember that one inning? What was it, four or five home runs in one inning? Needs to make sure. I mean, his wife posted a joke on Instagram. Hey, guys, you know what? I We got a pitching uh, tunnel in our house. Uh, he's That's not going to happen anymore. Who knows? Who knows? But I uh, Cardinal fans are pissed off because this is the first move, two moves they make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Their first thing they need to worry about, in my mind, has to be an ace. A bona fide ace. Whether you go out and sign that ace, whether you go out and trade for it, you have the assets to trade for one. But yet you go out and sign two of the back back of the rotation starters. Who, yes, they eat innings. Mosellock said that in his press conference. They eat innings. I get that. But you need to focus on the top of the rotation before you get to the bottom of the rotation. Um, I was talking to my father the other day. I go, Dad, why make these moves? goes, Joe, I think this is smart because what if those guys aren't available later? Um, The only guy I could see not being available later is Kyle Gibson. Lance Lynn, no one's going to want to touch him with a, with a 10-foot pole after having a 40-plus home run given up season. No one's going to want to touch him. 
So I I think I think you should have maybe gone out and gotten got an ace first. But that's just me. Theo, do you think the priorities are straight? I think they are. I think you just have to look at you never have a manager or an organization just looking at one player at one time. They probably have a whiteboard bigger than the one I have in school of available players. And I think they're reaching out to a lot of the different players to see how it's going to fit. And there are certain constructs that a team has to look at. I mean, yeah, obviously we want to sign a Blakes now or an Aaron Nola or Alex Manoa or someone like that. I mean, of course you want to get the big names. Of course you should feel like you should get the big names. You should be able to attract those big names. But at the same time, it's a agent player driven uh, league. I think it's, it's more agent-driven and player-driven. Well, agent and player-driven. Saying agent saying, hey, I want to get the biggest bang for my buck because I get a bigger percentage. I get the same percentage on a bigger number. Okay? So having that said, they're just waiting it out. And they know the season's not starting tomorrow. So they're going to take some time. So these game, these these players are going to take time. Yeah, I, I think there there will be other moves made. I mean, they have some money. They want to keep the payroll where it was last year, close to it. That was what about a hundred and eighty million dollars, something close to that. Yeah, and they have forty million left over to spend. If you can go out and get an ace, even if you don't go out and get go out and get an ace, if you have to eat some of that money that the ace coming to you will command, then do it. Then maybe go out and you need to go out and fortify this bullpen. This bullpen last year was absolutely awful. Granted, I can't blame it all on the bullpen pitchers themselves. I got to blame it on Oliver Marmol because Oliver Marmol would would come out and you know who the first out of the bullpen would be every game, Theo. It seemed like Andre Palante. Andre Palante. You do that to one pitcher, he's gonna get burned. His arm's gonna get burned out by the All Star break. Maybe even before that. So they need to go out and fortify this bullpen. And you don't Big think Benjamin Gibson are good? I'm not saying they're not good. I'm saying it's just a it's just weird no, to make those It's just weird to see those moves first. Okay, so you don't usually see case. you don't usually see bottom of the rotation guys go relatively quick. You see those guys maybe go later in the offseason. We're in November. Right. But when you look at what's going on and the trend of the number of pitches an ace is throwing now, they're not throwing Greg Maddox numbers. They're not throwing Randy Johnson numbers. You yeah, but while they're in there, while they're in there, no, Theo, I'm fine with today's landscape of going six innings because you have your three guys in the back end. Or at least I hope you do when it comes to opening day. But, you know, anything less than five innings, give your head a shake. Okay, so I'll, I'll give my head a shake, and I'll yank them for a tug. And the bottom line is your starting pitch is playing one out of four, maybe five games a season, hoping he doesn't get injured. So you have, okay, 120 other games to consider. You're not going to win a pennant with your starting pitcher going 100% on all of his games of these pitches. So you have to look at the landscape and say, yeah, you know what? There are a lot of other situations we need to deal with. So let's do that. 
you know? Um, so think about that because that's how it's got to work. And it's not about, see, I like the idea of having an ace. Yes, you want to have a, a, you know, identity, and I get that. But at the same Even time. Even a number one, Theo. A number so, one. Because look, so, at the, look at the Cardinals right now, okay? You, you, have, go after, you know who you should go after? Go who? Trevor Bauer. I said that before, and people want to say no. There's other allegations out there. People that used to produce this show with me, I think you know who I'm talking about, said there are other allegations out there. And people want to bash me for it. I'm sorry. No. Go out and get Trevor, Trevor Bauer. I'm fine with that. What, so I'm totally fine long, with that. And that's, and that's a whole different – we can't get into that topic now. No, no, but I'm, I'm just saying – you know, oh, it's, it's, it's tarnished, she'll never pitch in Major League Baseball again. That's bullshit because his agent's already talking to multiple teams. See, I would, and, and as a Toronto fan, you know, as, as, as my homer, my homer team or my Angels, Trevor Bauer is there for slim, for pickings. Of course, he's not going to. It's not like you're going to spend a lot. You're not going to spend a lot on him. But here's a guy that had a, a 12 and 9 or a 14 and 9 record in Japan, a sub 3 ERA. You know we can still throw the ball plus nineties. I mean, you want to play? You talk about a league that's talking about small ball and not launch angle, like you're talking about. They put the ball in play, and let's be honest: the the outfielders in the Japan League are not as strong as in the majors. They're pretty comparable, but they're not as strong. Batting is certainly a lot more powerful in the majors than in Japan, but they put the ball in play. And if Trevor Bauer can have a sub three or a close to three ERA in Japan, I think there's some teams on his radar to get him back in Major League Baseball. And you know what? Yeah, okay, allegations are one thing, but innocent until proven guilty is a whole different ball of wax in his favor now. And I don't feel, you know, as uncomfortable signing a guy like Trevor Bauer because, you know what? His personal business aside, put him on the mound. Tell him to pitch. And you know what? You look at we've talked a lot about baseball so far. You talk about these aces. Okay, look at the I mean, if you pull up your stats before your next show, Joe, and you look at the aces that are in the in the major league baseball, okay, who was the gold glove, the Cy Young winner, yada yada yada. Are they World Series champions? Ask yourself that question. How important is an ace to a World Series champion right now compared to those middle relievers, those guys in the back end from five plus on? There is your trademark of looking at how to build a team versus having an identity as one ace bullpen. So lots to chew over here in the next couple of months. And I'm not saying that Lynn and Gibson are a bad deal. I'm not saying no, I, I wasn't either. Like, like I said, I just, you're, just saying that it's the, you're telling me though that or you're telling these the audience is that the idea of going after this style of pitcher as opposed to going over and getting an ace is the wrong priority. And I beg to differ. No, no, the wrong first priority. It's a priority. Get, get uh, don't get it. The Cardinals want more swing and miss. These two moves give them more swing and miss. The biggest problem I have is Aaron Nola just came. No, yeah, the home runs, I, I get that. 
I mean, Kyle Gibson, 4.97 ERA. He went 15-9. and that's the, that's the amazing part. This guy had a, over 4.5 ERA and had 15 wins last year. This guy can pitch. I get it. So I'm I'm fine with these moves as long as you go out and get the ace. But I feel like the ace should have been the first thing you do. And again, or at least okay, okay. There's a difference for me, Theo. There's a difference between an ace and a number one. Okay, what's there your definition a, of an ace and what's your definition of number one? An ace takes the ball like a Garrett Cole. A number one to me is like a is like a um, Shane Bieber, Dylan Cease. Those are number ones. Garrett Cole's an ace. There's only a few aces in baseball anymore. The number ones are the guys I just named. Wheeler is an ace. Two two I named two aces. There are far more that are just number ones. Really good pitchers, really good high end pitchers, but they're not aces. I'm fine with that too. When I say ace, I'm talking about guys that you look toward to put out the fire. The Cardinals didn't have that last year. Zach Allen, like my dad's another one. Okay. You do you kind of see where I'm coming from there? I see where you're coming from. I'm not going to okay. deny your your philosophy. I'm not going to there's no reason for me to disregard your philosophy because that's the way you feel. I'm not going to say that you're wrong, but I'm not going to say you're right either. I mean, that's just your prerogative. That's your deal. Okay. All right. Me, I look at the fact that you have 13 to 17 arms in a pitching staff. I'd rather have a great majority of them seasoned, uh, throwing hard, and having an opportunity to win me a game day in and day out, as opposed to having one quote-unquote ace pitching one every five games. That's just my thought. Okay. All right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason. Um, so, you know, <laughs> this road trip for the St. Louis Blues <laughs> has been nothing short of weird. Weird. Yeah. You go in, you lose the first, the first game to the worst team in NHL history. The San Jose Sharks, 5-1. to one. You go in Saturday, lose to a very good team in the LA Kings by the same score. You win, the game, you win your last game against the Anaheim Ducks. Another good team that, you know, they're, I, I, they're pretty damn close to being really good. And then you have a game coming up against the Arizona Coyotes, your arch nemesis, it seems like. I mean, yes, you beat them last time, but you probably shouldn't have won that game 2-1 uh, to one when you were 0-7 over se- over on the power play. And that's kind of where I want to go here, Theo. Okay. How many times have we talked about how bad this power play is? You've watched highlights. I know you have. I know you watch hockey highlights all the time. I know you're busy with school and everything else. But when you watch the Blues on the power play, what's missing? It's stagnant. There's no movement in it at all. Like, I don't think... When you enter the zone, okay, you enter the zone. You lollygagging across the blue line. You're lollygagging it below the goal line. You're lollygagging it to the back of the point. 
and you're putting 90% of your time in the ozone on the outside. There is zero attack in the St. Louis Blues power play. There is zero exchange. And by the way, I use the word exchange because if you look at how there's no moving, intermoving parts, I mean, there's no motion. It's very dull, very stagnant. And you've got some great talent on that, on the ice. They're just not being, it, it's almost like it's the power play is a break for the St. Louis Blues because they are so hard done playing five-on-five hockey the way Craig Bruby wants them to, which is not exciting. And they get so lulled into this non-exciting style of hockey that they don't remember what it's like to play exciting hockey on a power play. That's what it reminds me of. It's And if they do score that one or two that they've done this season... It's not a hooray. They're not excited. They're not showing off, you know, their exudance, you know, of, yes, we finally scored one. They're like, eh, it's about time. Eh, the monkey still feels like it's on our back. That's what it looks like. Like, I also see a lot of them, uh, a lot of them uh, uh, clenching their sticks, like on the PowerPoint. If they're trying too hard, then just forget playing with sticks. Play with ringette sticks. If you think you're trying not hard enough, well, then enter the zone in faster. You know, scare the defense saying, oh, maybe they'll get around me. You've got fast guys to get the puck into the zone or to pressure to make gap space. But you're not even using that. So maybe some heads got to go. Because you're almost 20 games in, you've scored how many power play goals? Three? Yeah. Like, that is, I mean, it's not exciting. Sorry to say. You know, it isn't. You're not using the power. You're, the reason why you're sub 500 is because you can't even pressure the other team to try and score. I mean, they, they are over 500, Theo, but like a few, two games over. Oh, so. that's right. They're two games over 500. But, no, I get your point. It could be a lot better if the power play. Think of what this team would be with power play. Because look at how good they are five on five. Yeah. Look at how good this team is five on five and look at them on the power play. It's like two different teams. You're not going to win games when you're losing four to one or five to one at San Jose. You're not going to get four power play goals. No. But at least you're going to – you can change the landscape of how 60 minutes of hockey is played. Exactly. You know, I and who knows, Theo, if, if I, it, toward the end of that first period of that San Jose game, it looked like you were going to tie that game up and won. And who knows what that what happens? Yeah. You tie that game up, that's a totally different game. Absolutely. So it's just a bunch of uh, a bunch of a bunch of reasons why. One big reason why the Blues aren't doing anything on the power play. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little louder here, but it kind of pisses me off. Is they don't have any fucking net front presence. I look at their power play, and it's all one and dones. And when they do get a rebound, there's no blue in sight. Yeah. How how in the hell do you expect to score? When you're not working hard enough. But that's why I say it's stagnant. 
That's why no, I say when I, yeah, but yeah, but Theo, I'm talking like in the trenches, even like like in front of the net, Theo. Even if you block your own shot, maybe it comes off you. Maybe it goes onto your stick. Maybe you score. Yeah. Just you need to be in front of the damn net. Yeah. Every time my I watch a game, my dad's the one. He goes, "No net front presence. No net front presence. No net front. Pre Every freaking power play." And I gotta wonder. I went to that game against Arizona where they went zero for seven on the power play. Okay. Are they even working on this thing? Or are they even practicing on the power play? And if I they say. are, and if they are, how long are they practicing on this power play for? Because it can't be long. No. They have the talent to be good on a power play, and it's just not working. And Jakub Verana is going to be at healthy scratch yet again. For the same reason he was a healthy scratch the first time. Well, I don't know, man. I think it might be time for him to go. I'm telling yeah. you, if, if, it, if he don't want to work, if he don't want to work enough for Bruby's liking, let him go. Bring up a guy from the AHL who's actually going to work. You know who I like, actually, Theo? I like a guy like Nathan Walker. Because at least you knew what kind of work work ethic you were going to get night in and night out with him. I agree. So, sorry, yeah. Theo. I'm 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 rambling on. I know, but it's yeah. like it's 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 like a weekly freaking thing that I have to rant about something on this team. You have your blues. I have my charges. Can I say? And your Jets. Well, the Jets are playing better. And they're a couple points ahead of the Blues at this stage of the game. And they don't even face the Blues again, which I have no they idea do. why that's a thing. In February, the 27th or something like that. Oh, there is another game? Okay. It's a Tuesday game. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, I might even go to that one. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah, so Theo, how's uh, the rest of the NHL? Are there anything that is there anything that you want to bring up that maybe has surprised you, has not surprised you? Not surprised to see, uh, you know, the first 15, 20 games, surprised to see how good Vancouver is doing, number one. That's a big shock for the entire league. I think they're really impressed with how they've been able to find goal scoring and good defensive play together with Thatcher Demko in the pipes. Really happy to see that in Vancouver. Will it last? Only time will tell. Uh, injuries, man. Like Taze Thompson going down is a big one for Buffalo. Uh, great to see Aaron Ekblad back starting to skate with the Panthers because he was a name missed last year big time, uh, although they did well without him. You know, it's there's a big race going on right now with the uh, Morris Richard Trophy. I know it's early, but you got guys with 15 goals, 16 goals, and there's a lot of them there. Whether or not that pace remains will remain to be seen. Uh, my big thing, though, is watching how these older players, these veterans, are still playing so well. And it's just that brand of hockey. I don't know why I'm attracted to it so much, Joe. But it's just, you talk about blue collar, you know, what you're getting out of expecting other guys to play. It's not this cockamamie media-based 
answer this. Don't show me that Connor McDavid stuff. And I'm not including Connor McDavid as a veteran, even though he is. I mean, he's been in the league almost a decade. Can you believe that? He's almost a decade old in this league. I got guys that are a little bit older and seeing how they're playing and watching how they're acting and reacting, man, you know, that is a lost art of how to play this game. And we're going to lose a lot of those players in the next two or three years. Uh, but I, you know what? It's just a different style of game. I mean, we're seeing players that are extremely fast. We're seeing players that don't play the 200-foot game like they used to. Uh, we're seeing goaltenders being hung out to dry, but then at the same time making remarkable saves. It's quite a different – it's not even a parody in the NHL. I think it's you're just looking at teams that know how to win early in the season, and the teams that are going to win at the end of the season are going to make the playoffs too. So it's fun to watch. I'll be honest with you. It's fun to watch. But the expectations are there. We, like we said at our previous show, we called certain teams out, and yeah, they haven't performed. Say, Levy. No, uh, can I say it again? The Edmonton Edmonton Oilers. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they'll get it going. They'll get it going. No, they won't. No. And, and, and how many times have I heard, oh, 15, 15 games of the season is a benchmark? They're still not good. And then you and then you had to you fire Jay Woodcroft. After having what was it a 66, 67 win percentage, something like that, um, the last two seasons, um, what the hell is going on in Edmonton? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, they they hung their goalie out to dry. I mean, Jack Campbell went on waivers. He went down to the A. He is not the answer that they expected, and he never has been the answer, really. I mean. After having one okay, decent season in Toronto, he gets a big paycheck and he's out. He's getting paid. He's fine. You know, life's good for Jack Campbell. He doesn't have to save a single puck anymore. He's getting paid. Well, can you blame it on Jack Campbell, though? You know, I, can't. On defense? No, I, I can't. And here's why. Because as bad as we want to knock Edmonton defense, Darnell Nurse and company, whatever, your goalie is there to make the save. He should be there to like goalies nowadays are there to make the save. They are not there to let in bad goals. Jack Campbell was letting in bad goals consistently. And Edmonton's offense just couldn't, you know, trump it. So that's why Jay Woodcroft no longer has a job. That's why Mr. Knobloch is in power right now. And as Connor McDavid's ex-junior coach, hopefully he pulls the strings so that they can turn around that season for the sake of the Edmonton Oilers and their fans. Yeah, especially if you don't want uh, Connor McDavid to go to Toronto. No, that that was just a joke, Theo. Because a lot of – I know, I know. There are a lot of people, oh, McDavid and, and uh, Austin Matthews going to – no, no, no. Stop. Stop. No. That locker room's ego is not big enough to handle that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. As a you know secondary Toronto fan, I'm good with that. No, I I don't want that. Hell no. A lot of people think, including Whitney, thinking Toronto. This is Toronto. No wait, Biz. This is Toronto's year. They did take a step forward. 
by winning a round. Could they? Oh, we've talked about this so many times, Joe. Like, like drop the hatchet there. Like, seriously, <laughs> who cares? I mean, tell me. Hey, talk, hey. To me talk to me about Toronto Maple Leafs and after 70 games, and we'll see what's going on. Because I really okay. don't I, – I, I really can't go back in time and say, did they drop their hatchet or did they drop – bury the needle winning one series? No. We've the same problems are still there for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have medium yeah. at best defense. Now they have, you know, an aging defense core. They have an offense that has two thirds of the money in the front six to offensive players, and they still haven't fixed their goaltending situation. So they haven't fixed anything. They haven't done anything differently. So the recipe is no. Still the same. You're right. And Okay, so move on. Like I'm, I'm yeah, done exactly. I'm just, I'm just said. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm done. Sorry, sorry, Biz. Yeah, done. Um, so Theo, you're gonna are you gonna watch some football tomorrow? Uh, do you do you have plans in, to watch football I'm tomorrow? In, I'm in school tomorrow, man. I gotta I gotta have my phone on silent and watch some highlights. But. All righty then. Let's, let's get into these picks. What? The Cowboys and Indians game on Thanksgiving. That was always my favorite game to watch. I mean Redskins. I mean you got that the Commanders always- and Cowboys. I know, but that that's not the same ring. I know. I that's what I was thinking too. Like, yeah, no, that has no no ring to it. Unlike, uh, you know, uh, Redskins Cowboys. It. it yeah, back in the day. Like here's the, yep. here's the thing that I, word I can't say. Okay, so here's the thing I'm going to go with here. You know, you look at Washington football team, okay? You watch Monday Nighter. You watch Kansas City in Philadelphia. They are throwing the Tomahawks left and right in, Toronto, in Kansas City. You go to Florida State and you go to a Florida State Seminoles game, exactly the same thing. And you go to a Chicago Blackhawks game and doing the exact same thing. What and – whether you're on the good side or the bad side, naming it or not naming it, just you understand that you're there to celebrate the people and the culture of the land. It's not being done Atlanta, in the wrong Atlanta Braves time. games. Love them. Love them. Yeah. You're telling me the 90s weren't great with a tomahawk shop? Come on. Give your head a shake. Especially that Give old Atlanta Stadium. Yeah, Turner Field was a spot oh. ticket in the early 2000s, man. No, before. Before. I'm talking before went, Turner Field. They went – so Turner Field – I mean, you want to go back – go on the way back machine here. The Atlanta Braves made the pennant final 15 out of 18 years. 15 out of 18 years. The Dodgers haven't even done it. The Yankees couldn't even do that anymore. And Bobby Cox had a gem of a team together. He put a team that just could not beat Toronto, could not beat New York, won a couple of series in his 16 or 20-year reign, but they couldn't do it consistently. But, man, could they make it to the playoffs. And, man, was it fun to watch. And I tell you, going to one of those games live, Joe, they didn't want to. They weren't throwing dust or dirt on the name. They were cheering the name. They were culturally celebrating the name. Come on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh I it, it's it's amazing to me. But hey, you still have you have the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Um 
I'm, I'm just going to move on from that. Uh, Packers-Lions. Well, considering that your Packers beat my Chargers and my Chargers head coach still has a job, still. I'm shocked. Blasphemy. I'm taking the Lions. Okay. Okay. Well, I think you're taking the Lions because you're mad at my Packers. But, yeah, we'll just go there. We'll leave it yep. at that. I'm going to go. I got to go Lions, too. I know you're, I, you're probably shocked, but no, I, I have to go Lions too at this point. You're going to be the overwhelming favorite. Hey, I hope the Packers win. I do. But I'm setting myself up for disappointment. If I'm not disappointed, I'm happy. So, um, Commanders, can I can I just say, dang it, I can't say this. Commanders, Cowboys. Cowboys. I feel sorry for Howell because, I mean, you've lost Chase Young. I'm going to go Cowboys. Seconds. Yeah, Cowboys are just too powerful. Could Commanders this be the Cowboys year? Give it a couple more weeks. Okay, okay. Because even uh, a lot of these national pundits are even saying, could this be the Cowboys? seems different. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, though. Yep. 49ers Seahawks sun or uh Thursday night. Tomorrow, I'll watch yeah, Thursday night. I'll, I'll watch the 49ers beat the Seahawks, yeah. I'm going to go Seahawks cuz it's at home. Okay. Uh, uh the Amazon Prime special, you have the Dolphins and Jets on Friday at 2 o'clock. You know, dolphins. Like it's not even. It's not even a question. I mean, the question is, yeah, will I'm, the I'm, New York Jets score a touchdown? Yeah, I think the Jets are going to get blown out big time. I think the Dolphins. Um, I think this is feasting day for the Dolphins. Uh, Buccaneers, Colts, Bucks. I'll take the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going Bucks as well. Uh, yeah, Patriots and Giants. Well, the New York Giants could upset the New England Patriots here. I mean, they had a can they string two wins together is what remains to be seen. So I will take the Giants. I'm gonna go Giants too, and uh. I don't think Bailey Zappi is any better than Mac Jones at this point. So, yeah, I'm going Giants. Um, Steelers, Bengals. The Joe Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, I know. And that's the, that's the interesting one because the Steelers lost a heart rate breaker last weekend. Uh, you know, last second field goal, I think it was. So, I don't know. I mean... This one could be this one could be another nail biter for both teams. But I probably will take – I'll take the Bengals. I'm going to take the Bengals as well. It, it's it's amazing. I don't know how in the hell that Steelers team is over 500 with that bad of an offense. I I, I will never understand that. Well, their defense is playing fantastic. My dad and I were just talking about that today. Yeah, but, yeah, I know defense wins, but you got to score sometimes, and they're just getting lucky, I think. 
at this point. They're getting lucky. Yep. So, uh, Panthers Titans. Is this Titans. your uh, Tim Hortons special of the week? It, it might be. It might be my Tim Hortons special. That's a, yeah, I mean, I can't see Carolina's not going to win another game. I don't think. I really, I'm really unfortunate, but I don't think winning over Tennessee. All right, the Jaguars Texans. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Texans. I'll take the Jags. I know CJ Stroud is playing good ball. He might even win Rookie of the Year. But I think Trevor Lawrence and uh, company do some dirtiness to that Houston defense. Uh, Saints Falcons. This could be my Tim Hortons number two. I'll take the Saints. <laughs> I'm going to go Saints as well. Um, Rams and Cardinals. Oh, no, no, no. Take away the other two. This is your Tim Horton special of the week. Well, I mean, LA's three wins. Arizona's playing better now that Kyler Murray's back. I think Kyler Murray could surprise the LA Rams and beat the LA Rams. So I'm going to take the I'm Cardinals. Pick, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Rams. Okay. Browns, Browns and Broncos. Can you believe that Russell Wilson has the best winning percentage in the last couple weeks? But I'm still taking the Browns. Yeah, because he's actually he's actually been good. Yeah. So, uh, Bills, Eagles. Eagles did a good one on Monday night. And uh, I think they're going to win over the Bills as well. These are the testing games again. And Philadelphia is going to remain with just one loss. All right. I'm going to go Eagles as well. I, I like the Bills, but it's in Philadelphia. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs and Raiders. Chiefs. Chiefs. They, they need a bounce back after that loss on Monday night. Yep. Um. Ravens and a uh, Ravens and Chargers. Yet another Chargers game on prime time. Ravens. I can't. I can't trust Brandon defense to do anything good. Yeah, I'm gonna go Ravens as well. I don't trust their defense. I don't trust Brandon Staley, like you said. I'm going Ravens. No. Yeah. And Monday night, the old NFC North special. You have the Bears and Vikings. Ooh, it's supposed to be a tough game, but Minnesota will beat Chicago. Supposed to be is the key word. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Vikings as well. Actually, you know what? I'm going Bears. Watch. Watch it happen. Okay. The Vikings in Minnesota. Dad thinks I'm crazy. I'm sticking with it. Well, they Dad, almost I'm, I'm sticking with it. They almost Dad, pulled they off the almost upset. beat the damn Detroit. They almost beat the Detroit Lions in Detroit. All right, Dad. I'm trying to be two and zero in my upsets, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> so, yep. So there are picks this week. Um, what 
So it, it's going to stink missing football tomorrow for you, Theo. But, hey, at least you're going to watch highlights. I'll, I'll update you, too. No, don't worry about it. I'll be oh, good. my dad says happy Thanksgiving, but I don't know. I, I don't know what that means to you since you, you're in Canada, but ha- happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll be doing some online shopping, probably. Black Friday deals, you know. Yeah, no, they always have the great deals on Black Friday, and you know, and and the funny part about that, is, and the great part about that is, you don't get trampled over by soccer moms. Oh, whatever. I don't mind soccer moms; they're okay. Man, I see. I saw a couple crazy scenes where people are running into stores, running people over. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Theo, do you have anything before we get out of here today? No. I think I'm just going to say happy Thanksgiving. Please be safe out there. Enjoy family and friends if you're south of the border. Do give thanks to everything that's going on in this place, in this world. And, uh, you know, be, just be happy that you get to spend some time with some family and eat some turkey and watch some football, hang out, and just take a step back and breathe. That's all we got to do this weekend. Exactly. Theo, what what was what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Oh. Before I get out of here. South of the border or north of the border? Both. Okay, so south of the border, it's gotta be, gotta be home style grits or um homestyle grits in Atlanta. That was like the go-to for Thanksgiving. You had your deep fried turkey. Homestyle injected grits in Atlanta. Homestyle grits in Atlanta. Forget about it. <laughs> deep fried turkey was injected with hot sauce. Yeah. So we used to deep fry turkeys. Right? We used to deep fry turkeys. We had a massive 50 cal needle to inject the turkey. About an hour and a half, two hours later, turkey's done. Flop the grits in there. A little bit of collard greens, a little bit of you know, scalp potatoes, you know, do it up like that. Cheese galore and best, best Thanksgiving ever down there. Um, north of the border, my mom makes this ridiculous, like a uh, turkey stuffing, like a homemade turkey stuffing. And that's usually like, it's so bad for you, but you throw some country gravy on it and it's game over. Like it's, forget about it. Those are my go-tos. Okay, you, you you ready for this on American take of mine? Keep I'm on. not a big fan of mashed potatoes. Well, I said scalp potatoes, not mashed potatoes. No, me. I don't like mashed potatoes. Is that weird? Because a lot of people think it is. No, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Theo, should I try the dressing? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, enjoy your normal work day while we enjoy Thanksgiving, which is kind of odd to me, but still. Um, enjoy your uh, normal work day and enjoy Black Friday shopping. For everybody watching, thank you. For everybody listening, thank you. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. I will see you next week when I have Cardinal pregame host Scott Warman with me in virtual studio until then have a great thanksgiving great weekend see you next week